welcome back to the In The Country podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week in what are kind of unforeseen, unprecedented times. Obviously, um, I'm bringing you this. It is now Tuesday. Um, The Prime Minister's announcement was yesterday and, or last night at 8.30. And so today really is kind of the first day where we are effectively in in lockdown and last night I recorded this podcast episode after the conversation after the announcement and and I hope this gives you some kind of relief a break away from the madness outside so tune in relax make yourself a cup of tea go and sit you know somewhere quiet and just unwind and lose yourself in this episode and the conversation and again I'm really grateful that you've tuned in it's keeping me sane producing these podcasts today's episode is all about Charlie Beatty so you may know her as the globe trotting farm girl on Instagram and social media she is also a friend of mine and after having pretty much finished lambing for this year I was keen to catch up with her and talk to her about British agriculture and the role of farmers as key workers in this pandemic so it's a really interesting one we have a lot of laughs um so I hope you enjoy it Thank you, Charlie, for joining me. I am absolutely over the moon to have you with me this week um, in what is completely mad times. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really flattered that you've asked me. <laughs> um, well, I thought we could we could kick things off with talking about how we met um, to give people a bit of context, really, because it's quite a quite a unique um, unique story to how to how we met and how we're kind of yeah. connected now. Yeah, so it's, it's funny because like I look back now and I just remember following this profile on Instagram and I didn't really look too much into it. I didn't know about the magazine or anything. I just kind of looked at your grid and thought, oh, that looks interesting. <laughs> and then I remember you putting something on Instagram about going to New Zealand or, oh no, it was, um, I think, had Bella eaten your passport? Oh yes, <laughs> yes, she had. Yes, that was it. it. Passport. And I remember you putting something up about it and I was in Australia at the time and I was due to be flying over to New Zealand for Christmas. Um, yeah. And we just got chatting, chatting from there really, didn't we? Yeah, and I think if I remember it rightly, James and I, we were at the airport and we were ready to, well, we were literally waiting for our, to board our flight and I had said to him, so my birthday is on New Year's Day and yeah. I had said to him, like, it'd be lovely well, I wanted to spend it in Queenstown, for sure, 100%. And I'd said to him that it'd be really nice to get a hotel. And I'd said this months beforehand, and into, <laughs> like, man style, he had not sorted anything out. And I think yeah. I remember talking to you, or messaging you about New Year's plans, because I knew that you were going to be out there at the same time, and we'd already planned, I yeah. think... I was about as organised as you guys were. Because <laughs> to a hostel, and then I tell you, anybody that's going to go out to Queenstown for New Zealand, don't leave booking a hostel until yeah, five do, days before not, New Year's Eve. Do not, especially if it's no. New Year's Eve. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, I think you said to me, you messaged. I was panicking about the fact that we literally had nowhere to stay, and I was fully ready to camp out in the back of the car. Um, and then you said that you had you, your friend. Yeah. Was, 
yeah what my was... friends ha- were giving up their hostel room that was it yeah that was it they had three beds or something i think it was yeah. and, and i remember us in queenstown <laughs> so i was like right i'll take these it was and literally we like sorted it out over whatsapp in the airport <laughs> literally i think we had to we had to stay for a minimum of like five days wasn't it yeah the booking booking i think it was like 250 quid per person and yeah. but that included five nights so i didn't stay the whole five nights but no um, that's the minimum you book for yeah so, yeah yeah well that was my first hostel experience and to be honest it really wasn't that bad it was actually no i've not found any real bad ones to be honest yeah true yeah, yeah my first hostel experience was like three days before that so really <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. I was a real snob when I was when I first went over to Oz. I was like avoiding hostels, and now I just don't know why. But I was quite I lucky. Work put me up in nice places, and, and yeah, that's true. So. I'm sure there are some. Well, you hear horror stories, don't you? So yeah, massively. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Um, well, I think if we, I mean, well, actually, you have recently been to New Zealand, haven't you? Recently, just got back. Yeah, I went back at the start of the year. So. Um, in about so I came home about a year ago now yeah um, and then I I got home I was back on the family farm and I thought right I'm now gonna try and do um, as many relevant courses or qualifications and that kind of thing um, just to boost my CV and make the most of things really and yeah. the National Sheep Association usually do this next generation um, ambassadorship so I was looking online oh. for that and they weren't doing it this year because they were doing their they were doing a travel bursary, which was the Samuel Worry Memorial Award. Okay. Um, so I right, you know, um, and it was a yeah travel and study bursary, and you the application was to um, say where you'd go and what you'd study. And I thought, you know, I've only just got home, but <laughs> I might as well apply for it. it. You know, it'll be good interview practice. And blow me, I got it. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I went out back out to New Zealand on the 2nd of January to spend six weeks out of their farm touring. Wow. Um, looking at permanent pasture management. Yeah, so it was just one big holiday, really. Amazing. And did they did they set up the farms that you went to visit or did no. you set them up? Um, so a few people gave me a couple of contacts, which was really handy. But most of them I found using Twitter. So oh, wow. I don't really... Yeah, I don't really use Twitter that much. I'm very much a lurker on there. I just kind of... <laughs> to the people and I'll like things or retweet the odd thing but I don't very often post but I put a post on there explaining what I was doing and when I was going to be out and I tagged New Zealand beef and lamb in it as well as a couple other New Zealand farming ones and as soon as they retweeted it I got loads of responses like yep come stay with us Um, and the idea was yeah it was amazing i just so many people were like yeah you can come stay with us like let's, it's, let's that's the just day. the attitude isn't it out out in new zealand so everybody's just so relaxed yeah, it's amazing they're brilliant i love it out there so much the people are just on another level like yeah i've never felt more welcome anywhere else oh um, me too literally i cannot wait to get yeah, back so everyone like i've got friends out there Why are we home? i know literally i've got friends and they're like posting images of their self-isolation or their you know wherever they're they're staying at home and i'm like if i was staying at home where you are if i had to self-isolate where you are i would be fine <laughs> yeah I would it would no not be worry. an issue yeah, we're absolutely fine. I would, I would happily stay there for months. Try and get me back out again. Yeah. <laughs> Mad. Um, but no, so I kind of did it like a, I kind of 
to keep my costs low because I only had a set amount of money. So I kind of said, okay. you know, um, I'm more than willing to do a couple of days work and any uh, yeah any chance I could have a bed for a night. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Went really well. So I think I paid for like three nights accommodation over the whole oh, six wow. weeks. Wow. And so, so and can, yeah. can anyone apply for that then? Is it is it a yearly yeah. thing? Um, so I think they're doing it again this year. Last year was the first year they'd run it. I agree. Um, yeah, I they were talking about doing it again, so I'd have to look into it. But yeah, um, I mean, if they're not, I sh- assume they'll be going back to the next generation ambassador, and that's open to anyone. Obviously, they want you to have some sort of connection to sheep. Um, yeah. Whether you be you farm sheep, you be a shepherdess, a shepherd, um, some sort of connection, and just showing willing and um, yeah, willing to like improve, not improve the industry, but kind of influence the industry and learn and develop and bring yeah they want you to put in as much as you'll get out of it really like yeah they want you to take away what as much as you can but bring as much as you can as well and yeah I've loved it like it's been it's it's just opened so many doors for me that I just never saw coming oh fantastic and what would you say is the the best thing or the biggest thing that you've learned from from that Ooh, that's a really hard one. Um, no pressure. <laughs> the biggest thing I've learned from it, or the most surprising thing, maybe something that you didn't you didn't expect to learn, perhaps. Um, I don't. There's been a lot of surprising things come out of it, but I don't. I, can, I don't think I could pinpoint kind of learning one particular thing. Any, like, yeah, any one thing. I did. Um, I ended up. So usually, so every year, AHDB, which is the Agriculture and Horticulture Development Board, do um, Love Lamb Week, which was kick-started in, I can't remember what year, like four years ago or something, yeah. I think, 2016 maybe. Okay. Um, and they usually use the Next Generation Ambassadors to be kind of the face of it, but they didn't have any this year, so they asked me if I'd do it. So <laughs> yeah, clearly a bit short of a model, but no, nah. <laughs> love, love Lamb Week promotions, which was a bit surreal. That's um, amazing. And then yeah, I've come in, and then the, the NFU actually asked me to do a blog for them for Love Lamb Week, and that's now led to a paid monthly blog, which has Fantastic. been really good. And so um, when, yeah, when uh, you know, for those of us that don't know, when was Love Lamb Week? Oh, so Love Lamb Week was the 1st to the 7th of September. So I think okay. it's every year it's the first week in September. Brilliant. Wow. So, yeah. And they kind and, of cluster promotional goods everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on the topic of sheep, obviously. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more, tell the listeners a little bit more about your farm your family farm and and how you got into farming yeah so i'm i'm born and bred on a farm it is literally in my blood um and i'm really lucky because of that like some people don't have that opportunity but i've been really lucky yeah um we rent a farm off packington estate in north warwickshire and we're a mixed farm we're in real prime mixed mixed farming country so we've got beef cattle um breeding ewes and then we've got um arable and contracting Okay. So um, the mix of the three works really well for us, especially on a year like this where the arable has struggled so much because of the wet winter yeah. and the um, oilseed rape crops, a lot have failed in the UK. I think it's something like 70% of Gosh. oilseed rape crops 
in the UK are not viable this year, oh. and that's due to the flea beetle outbreak. Right, yeah, um, Emma. I think Emma spoke about that. Gosh. Yeah, she did. She was re- yeah, she spoke really well about it. Um, she was very informative. But um, so yeah, it's wait, interesting. No, no, no. It's interesting to know that kind of you know what was affecting her is also affecting you, and it's affecting yeah, and we're like a couple hundred miles apart. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so we yeah we lost the neonicotinoid C treatment like two or three years ago, um, and this year we had a massive population of flea beetle, and that has just absolutely annihilated a lot of crops of oilseed wow. rape crops in the UK, which is really frustrating because it means that now we're going to have a shortage of oilseed rape in the UK, so they're going to import it, but they're going to yeah. be importing it from countries that don't meet the same standards as we do, which Interesting. is. Oh, got it. And frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we've got a massive problem with that at the moment. So um, Brexit has kind of offered such a great opportunity to our government to really knuckle down on some trade deals and get some really good trade deals for us. Yeah. But we need to we need to do our best to make sure that laws are put in place to prevent the import of produce that doesn't meet our standards because. Yeah. You know, here in the UK, we produce to the highest animal welfare standard in the world and about the highest environmental standard in the world. And you That's know, really you, we're all yeah. Well, we're all so focused on being sustainable now, but little things like not knowing exactly where your foods come from, you can think that you're buying the best, but if it's come from countries that aren't like, you know, you'll think that oh, if I'm buying it in the UK, it must be produced to the laws that the UK have set and that's just not the case yeah it needs to be because there's just so much confusion over it all and consumers need to know what they're getting so definitely and I think what frustrates me from a from a kind of outsider's point of view is is we have so many British farmers and yet we're not you know it's it almost seems like why are we still importing so much produce I mean yeah the situation with the oilseed rate completely but as you say it's frustrating because the standards aren't met so you know yeah and there's so many other things that are you know being in the same way yeah we're just so disconnected with seasonal produce now as a population we don't we expect we're so used to having everything all year round and it's it's just not the case like one of the best ways that you can improve your sustainability of living is to actually look at what's in season, look at where things have come from, buy locally, um, and buy high quality. Like, you know, it's 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 as simple as that. But we, you know, as a population, we just don't know what should be on the shelves at what time of year, and that's a real shame. But you know, and that comes with education. Like, that's our. Well, hundred percent. I think it was you that, that pointed out to me and something I did not know um, and I will crop this if this is wrong <laughs> but I think you pointed out to me that when I, I'd, I'd mentioned I think in the magazine or I'd mentioned somewhere yeah spring you should have lamb and you you sort of pointed out to it me was, that yeah it was your autumn issue I yes. think yes and um, it was it didn't have lamb on the seasonal autumn one yeah so which is so many like something that so many people are misled by so we all associate lamb 
and a roast lamb dinner with spring and Easter. Yes, but actually really. spring, like around Easter is when our supply of British lamb is at its lowest. Yes. Because that's, unless you've got spring um, lambs left over from the year before, so like tegs. Yeah. Um, or you lamb really early, say December, January nobody's actually got lambs fit for market then so yeah. our peak lamb production is in the autumn so that's really when people should all be um buying and serving all be, lamb. All be buying and eating lamb but and then people can we all complain about new zealand lamb on the shelf but we have a demand for it in spring that we can't meet so yeah. we've got to import it from somewhere and you know new zealand lamb is produced to the same welfare and environmental standards almost welfare yes environmental you know we beat them on some things they beat us on other things so yeah we're pretty much level pegging there but we can't really complain about it because we want it so yeah no completely and I mean that was one of the things like when you're talking about sustainability in terms of seasonal produce and choosing or or knowing what is in season that that was one thing that I'd never I'd never known and now I'm never going to forget it because I'm like oh no Charlie told me that so and I actually told somebody the other day we were we were doing an article for for spring and they had put lamb and I was like but no no it's not the weird one is right to say you could uh, you could um, if it was mutton it would be in season yeah um yeah mutton's yeah yes kind of like you can still get British lamb at this time of year it's just this is when the the supply is at its lowest yeah so you know while we're really pro- like everybody promotes it all supermarkets and that promote it at this time of year really they need to be promoting it in the autumn so yes. it's not that you can't get it now but it's likely to be more expensive and there's less of it about but personally i think mutton tastes better anyway i i would always take mutton over spring I lamb so i don't think i've ever tried it flavor. i need to that's well yeah it's just got a bit more flavor it, i mean you just buy it on the shelves as, as lamb, it just won't be spring lamb. Ah, interesting. See, somebody did tell me that. They actually said, I, I went to a, a press event and they were saying that um, they were serving something with lamb in. And they were saying, well, it's, it is lamb, but technically it's like, it's mutton. Because yeah. it, you know, it's, it's older or whatever it was. I mean, I have no idea. But he was kind of saying, well, actually it's not. It's just, we would say it that way to the consumer because it's easier for them to to sort of relate to yeah. and to understand so most people will class mutton as kind of an older sheep yeah and your lamb is kind of up to a year and then a year onwards a year onwards is where it gets a bit muddy because we <laughs> would call that a hogget or a teg okay but i think to consumers that's probably known as mutton there so i think yeah. that's where they draw the line uh, but i still, see it's not like yeah they will class like an old you an old cull you that would be classed as mutton too but like yeah i think the line with regards to consumerism is over a year so um but that might not be 100 percent. so no but it's just really really interesting and it's like you say you the lack of education and yeah, lack- everybody thinks of mutton as like an old tuck <laughs> and you think you think of spring you think of lamb you think of baby lambs don't get me wrong I'm not telling people not to eat lamb at this time just you know just buy British still <laughs> <laughs> no of course and yeah as we've just touched on you know spring is the time for 
for lambing you see the fields all around the country you know full of these adorable bounding lambs you are lambing currently is that right well we yeah we've got about five left so not oh really my gosh. We <laughs> yeah so we we lamb from about the 20th of february and we have about two and a half three weeks that are pretty busy yeah and then we teeter off so um we're lambing about 330 ewes wow. um and the majority of those are north country mules which is uh, a crossbreed from a hill ewe and a more lowland tup um, and that just gives us some hybrid vigor and some good desirable traits so yeah we lamb them at the end of feb beginning of march because that's when it fits in with the rest of our farming calendar because Being we're mixed, mixed. Yeah. On, yeah we've got to fit it around the arable which is you know not so drastic this year because we've got barely anything to be putting fertilizer on but <laughs> a little bit we've got some wheat in the ground and some barley which is a lot it's a lot more than some people have got yes like, yeah you know, i feel really sorry for anybody in worcestershire herefordshire that have kind of just been underwater the whole winter like we've been submerged but not, not as bad as some you've oh, yeah yes. not to the extent of them yeah like, the images you see on instagram and you just think oh my goodness yeah yeah it really, is not really tough so, so have you know we were obviously talking before we kind of hit record about um oh i mean we're recording this at about well, we started recording this about half past eight ish which was just after um boris's announcement and oh, so, announcement. yeah <laughs> and oh, so God. that was that was kind of a, a a key kind of talking point when we were when we were um just sort of warming up when we were talking and in terms of lambing and and farming have you have you kind of noticed any effect from from the coronavirus and obviously you know it's there's all this going around about um key workers and the nhs and delivery drivers and and actually quite quite surprisingly i would say there is quite a lot of support i have seen i don't know about you um for british farmers sort of keeping food on the shelves yeah, it's mad isn't it yeah it's, it's crazy, crazy. I mean, it's I've great so much support for british farmers on social media it's um, i mean it's such a good thing but have you noticed any any kind of you know any impact on on your farm on people that you know um as a kind of fallout from all of this yeah so not necessarily personally for us i mean um, one of our, we've got quite a few potato farmers around us and um, there's a little farm shop down the road from us and his usual supplier of potatoes was out. So yeah. we gave him a contact detail for one of our neighbours and he had a, um, a ton of potatoes delivered in 25 <gasps> kilo bags oh my on God. the one afternoon and the next morning by 10 o'clock he'd sold them all. Wow. Um, yeah, and along with that, he also gets 500 dozen eggs supplied <sighs> and they'd all gone well. So oh he had another God. two ton of potatoes delivered that afternoon and they were gone, you know, and the next 48 hours. So like that for me is just incredible. And Absolutely. another one of our local farm shops looks like looked like it had been burgled the other morning. It was just <laughs> there. So <clears throat> yes, it's like it's really good to see stuff like that, but we've just got to hope that it can it'll last you know when we come I was out going to say 
Yeah, it's people such a great thing. Like, yeah, let's, we've just got to hope that people aren't going to forget it and they're going to start complaining about methane and carbon emissions again. And Which is, I mean, if anything, this past two weeks has shown us how farmers aren't destroying the planet. Because yes, 100%. Because reporting how much um, emissions have dropped everywhere. And I'm, like I can tell you for now that the cows haven't gone into isolation. <laughs> and it's not made a darn difference about their their methane emissions <laughs> they are still yeah emitting the same so like how can we keep blaming farmers yeah and you know transport is such a massive one and realistically transport is not a necessary thing for survival like we no. could all survive as a species without cars but we yeah. cannot survive without food so you know how do we how do we foot the blame so much it's yeah definitely definitely and and like you say it is it's overwhelming to see that that amount of support for what all of you do um and you know james he he has a small arable farm down down where we are and the, the kind of the majority of their business is to supply hay and haylage um and straw for horse owners basically like me yeah. <laughs> um, and and he has said he has never never been busier um, they're at risk of running out completely they have never been busier because owners are obviously panicking that they need to be able to feed their horses and so gosh so even the horses are panic buying yeah, <laughs> yeah the horses, not. indirectly it's not, <laughs> it's not harming their bank balances <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's just well, it's unprecedented, isn't it? We we've never it is never seen anything like until, it. No, well, until t- tonight, it's kind of felt really like surreal. It's felt quite distant, and you yeah. you know, it's been such a gorgeous sunny day today. You kind of look out out the tractor. I've been in the tractor today on the fields. It's been amazing. It's first time <laughs> like all winter, incredible. Oh. But yeah, you look out the window, and you kind of think. Like this is a glorious sunny day. How can we be in the middle of a global pandemic? Like how how is that possible? It like, is crazy. It's... How is the world for like collapsing around us? Yeah, and you're just kind of you know, and, and for me as well, like going to do the horse morning and night, and you, I guess, are the same in in that you know work doesn't stop for you. No, I've no. always worked from home. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I'm like I, I don't notice much difference. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, welcome to my life. <laughs> and it's well, quite nice to see the, you know, when you when you have the kind of, you know, you know you're going to be going to check the animals, you're going to go and feed the animals, and I'm going to go and care for the horse. That you've got that yeah. little bit of normality, but equally yeah. you can see things decreasing. So I've noticed the the kind of slow drop in the level of traffic or the level of you know the amount of people I'll pass on my way to and from the yard and yeah. you get to the yard and it's it's normal you know the horses yeah. have no idea <laughs> so yeah we're the same here because we're right by we're right in between Birmingham and Coventry so usually there is kind of my prime time that I'm doing the shepherding which is kind of seven until half eight mm-hmm. is like the roads are busiest and it's just been it's been an absolute dream the past week at least because there's just been no traffic on the roads it's it's, i mean it's it's phenomenal really is phenomenal yeah it it, i don't yeah i don't quite know what 
you know it's going to be reviewed in three weeks time will it will anything change like, I know and, I, and I, he said it and I thought three weeks like yeah, I, I don't really know what weeks. I was expecting but it just that yeah, three I mean, just hit hit me really hard yeah well um, like we're lucky we live with our families but yes. like my best friend lives down here and I know her three young farmers and she is from Glasgow, but she's living down here in Meriden and she lives on her own. Like she's now working from home. She's isolated. Like she's she's not going to see anybody for at least three weeks. Like it's, Gosh. she lives, her house backs onto one of our fields and there's a footpath through it. So we jokingly said this evening that she should go on a walk in the morning when I'm shepherding the sheep <laughs> and I'll, I'll park like two meters away from her. It's, I mean, my sisters, my sisters have come home from university, both of them, um, to be home. And I mean, my dad, he, he's in a wheelchair, he's classed as, as high risk because of his condition. And actually not being able to see him. I mean, we normally go for like regular coffee dates during the week. I've completely forgotten about that. Yeah. And it's so bizarre, but it's, it's that kind of, you know, I was actually, I had a phone call with him earlier and I was saying that almost you you don't take for granted necessarily but being able to just go for coffee and chat about whatever i whenever you want and then to have that taken away yeah it's like the good old saying you you don't know what you've got until it's gone yeah it's really strange it's really really strange and and you know the obviously there's there's lots you can do in terms of technology we are recording this via video chat which is great but there is there is it's not quite the same as being face to face and and having that personal engagement so for a lot of people i can imagine this this time is going to be quite tricky and and as you said we are very lucky we do live with our family and we do have the animals that we do to kind of distract us perhaps but i mean in times like this you know you do an isolating job when you go into isolation and absolutely nothing changes yeah completely (laughs) a few people have said like you know how are you finding it kind of like the isolation thing are you really lonely on the farm and i'm like absolutely nothing has changed (laughs) this is this is my life all the time you just you might go a little bit more crazy with the talking to the animals but apart from that yeah but I'm I'm lucky, like I work alongside my dad and my uncle. So there's there's three of us here. It's not like some farmers who farm on their own. Yeah. You know, we're we are very lucky here that you get the highs and lows of farming and through the lows, like we all bounce off each other very much. And through the lows we've kind of got each other to go through it with. So, you know, it's yeah, I like to oh, I don't know. I like to think that on my social media I share the highs and the lows but yeah I don't think I do quite portray every low because some of them are really really hard to talk about yeah um, okay. something I'd really like to get better at <laughs> but it's it's really like it's not how do you like posting bad news on social media just doesn't feel right but that's that's something I'm really conscious of because I do think that every the general public needs to see that it's not all sunshine and roses and that when something happens and the bad days tend to be the bad days when it happens with livestock as well it's yeah you know the arable stuff you can kind of get over but when something happens with livestock and you can't do anything about it that's the real rough one well i um, think you know you from my kind of from me watching you and following you and engaging with the things that you put out there you do post some really sort of informative um things you you really do but I guess 
the difference perhaps is, is a lot of it is, is educational. And as you're saying, it's the, it's the kind of emotion, which I think yeah. we tend to try and distance ourselves from in all, in all walks of life really. But, but I guess in farming, because, you know, nothing stops, you have to carry on. It's yeah. harder to get caught up on that emotion. And you kind of, you almost don't allow yourself the time to, to, to get caught up in it yeah it's yeah you, you yeah you can't have the time but and in a way that's a really good thing because when you've just got to get on with it you kind of you know, when you've got other animals to tend to and other jobs to do then you just have to get over it but mm. you know some sometimes when the other job to do is like going and sitting on a tractor on your own for eight hours or plus <laughs> it's yeah it can be it can be it can be really yeah really hard but no I can imagine I mean I can the pros definitely outweigh outweigh the cons (laughs) yeah otherwise I wouldn't be doing this job and there's there's no like there's nothing else I'd rather do but yeah it's not all sunshine and roses we do have some really tough days and yeah I could go into details but (laughs) (laughs) no completely I, I completely you know I can completely understand and imagine well imagine as much as I can um how that how that is for all of you um but to have that support network with your family is absolutely invaluable to you yeah yeah definitely I could yeah I couldn't do this job on my own and like my dad said you know we've had a tough winter and everything not getting the crops in the ground that we wanted to and etc etc and dad said a couple of weeks ago he said if I didn't work with you and Tom then I would have been really really down this winter because it's been a tough winter but he's got us too and likewise we've got him and you know you just you carry on and it's it's okay because we're all doing this together and there are other people that are a lot lot worse off so yeah no that's really special that's really special and and on that on that note um then with working with your dad and your family obviously you mentioned that you were kind of born and bred into into farming into agriculture has the farm been in the family for a number of generations has it changed much over the years yeah it's quite yeah changed quite significantly so my granddad took on a tenancy in 1958 57 or 58 58 yeah um and uh so i'm the third generation here and it was a three generation tenancy when we took it on and then when my granddad died in 2006 we changed it to a farm business tenancy instead because it's my dad and my uncle farming it and the partnership the tenancy could only go into one of their names okay and with my dad being younger it would have made sense for it to go into his name but had it gone into his name then neither of my uncle's kids would have been able to take it on so and at that point we didn't know if they might want to and that was still very up in the air so while we could we changed it to a farm business tenancy and we're really lucky we've got 50 years with that so wow you know we've got 36 years remaining on that that's Um, brilliant yeah, which is amazing because you know most farms like a long farm business tenancy is kind of classed as 15 years around it wow and 50 years is, <laughs> is pretty incredible um and yeah so when they first came here it was a dairy farm and they gave up dairy i think in 1985 okay um 
you know the the money wasn't really there with the dairy and this is way before kind of the millennial dairy crisis this is yes. yeah mid 80s but the money wasn't there and um my dad's got two brothers and all three of them were in the farm at the time and the none of none of the three were any of them were really interested in dairy they that's not what they wanted to be doing so um yeah the dairy cows were sold up um and gradually over the years a few beef cattle were bought and then a few sheep and we've mm. taken on tenancies of other surrounding farms where farmers have retired and it's kind of gone from like 14 farms in the area to now four or five so okay. yeah the farm's got a lot bigger um we contract as well so yeah we've got a bit that keeps us all busy it manages to support three of us so oh that's great that's really really good yeah. and have you i know you do your lamb boxes have yeah. you ha, you know are there any plans to kind of diversify can you see can you kind of foresee a need for that in the future or is it kind of able to is the model working for for now and you know you think that that that's going to kind of carry on and continue to to support you all and support everything that you need um so yeah the lamb boxes work quite well at the moment because um i can kind of dedicate a month a day a month to it and and that works quite nicely and they've just really ticked over it's not been kind of a mass amount of orders it's it's all been within the local villages and i've kind of had maybe 20 yeah 20 ish orders a month oh wow um, yeah it's been really quite good. nicely and then it went quiet after christmas which was was good because i went away so that kind of suited <laughs> really well um and then suddenly amidst this, all this corona panic buying i've had a load of messages saying oh you're still selling lamb boxes but sod's law i've got none fit at the moment so <laughs> we're gonna have to waste a couple of weeks um yeah and then i'd like to look into doing a beef box as well which is a I bit can't. harder because um with the lamb boxes you either we offer a half lamb and a whole lamb well people can fit half a lamb in their freezer but fitting half <laughs> beef cattle in their freezer is a little more yeah a little less realistic i did always wonder why they were less kind of less yeah, so we'd have to look at it as maybe kind of like five or ten kilo boxes i think that would be the way to go um, but it takes it'll be a bit more working out and it'll have to be preset boxes as well because you get all the cuts that people really want like all your fillet steaks and yeah um, top side and you could roasting joints and a bit of mince but people kind of tend to leave like the shin and the brisket. i was gonna say yeah we're so not you know i guess buying a um a kind of fresh meat box as 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 you yeah. produce is is probably not something that this kind of generation is is used to i think we're we're slowly getting yeah. a little bit better at it yeah it's i mean with the lamb boxes it's impressed me how many people have gone for the breast left entire rather than minced like quite a few have wanted the breast um whereas that's that's not a cut you see anymore like it you'll find it in your local butchers but nine times out of ten it's it's minced it's it's not something that people know how to cook anymore yeah um that's a that's the same with a lot of your cheaper beef cuts mm. braising steak your stewing steak and yeah your shin and and all that people don't know quite know what to do with them anymore so um sad, yes there's really? a few more logistics around the beef box but something i'd like to try no good i think that's that's really great and i i wish you all the luck with it and if i lived closer oh, i would have one <laughs> 
<laughs> one day, one day. <laughs> um, and you you spoke about earlier a little bit about writing for the NFU, um, and obviously you know I, I I know you personally, and so I know some of the the opportunities that have kind of come your way and you've embraced over the last couple of years, but. Do you want to talk to us a little bit more about working with the NFU and any other kind of opportunities like this and and kind of also your kind of your stance on 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 British agriculture I guess and and where the where the industry sits within sort of wider society really oh my gosh now you've unleashed it so (laughs) um so with agriculture like uh, I think the biggest problem facing British agriculture at the moment is the general public's perception and education is such a key thing that we all need to be embracing as farmers and educating our consumer and the general public about what we do and how we do it so well because okay, we so, do such so, a good job. Yeah. So you're you're kind of taking the the kind of view of the the farmers you as as farmers have a kind of responsibility to educate from that side as well rather than just the the kind of media and consumers yeah and there's so many ways to do it like social media is a great one although it's a little difficult because with social media you no matter how many like how you target it only really the people that want to see it will see it like yeah. it's very much kind of the people that agree with you will look at it and mm-hmm. all the or you'll get like a handful of really really anti people and they'll just kind of troll you and it's just not yeah. constructive at all <laughs> yeah but it's mainly people that agree with your opinion anyway so we really need to be tailoring it a bit more and schools is a really really good place to start so mm-hmm. there are loads of schemes out there um so one is um it's called farmer time now it was previously known as face time a farmer um, yeah but yeah farmer time so that is um what it says on the tin really you get assigned to school and you do weekly like facetime or video chat sessions with them or i do every two weeks um some people do once a month um and you chat to this class of school children and you tell them what's going on on the farm at the time you answer their questions and it just gets them a bit more involved like it's they ask so many questions. I was going to say, I, are they are they inter- are they interested? Are they interested? Oh my gosh, the questions that come from them. Some of them are terrifying. Some of them are hilarious. <laughs> um, some of them are really hard to answer. Like the first time I did it, I um, one of the children asked me, "Do I feel sad when my animals go to slaughter?" Oh, and it's right I, in there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right in the fields. Like how how do you how do you embrace that? Like. Um, so I kind of went about it and it's like well you know if I think about it too much then it is but also I know that that animal has had a fantastic life it's had a, it's been reared to the, the highest quality like highest standards its welfare has been exceptional and I know that it is there to do a job and that is to sustainably feed our population yeah like we're not going to get by without without rearing livestock it's as many people want to tell you that we will we won't like especially not here in the uk like with our borders closing that's going to be massive like we import so much food it's something like we would be able to survive for two-thirds of the year on what we produce ourselves yeah and i guess we haven't seen that fallout yet really no and 
and a lot of the land in the UK is just unfit for producing crops so the growing grass is what it's good for and livestock can convert grass into food whether it be meat or milk mm -hmm. so yeah um, but so there's that and then the NFU have started doing this speakers for schools um, scheme and that's um, I did a day course with them and then the idea is that well, as soon as this coronavirus passes <laughs> we'll start going in and talking to assemblies in local schools and you'll do a bit of an introduction about yourself and what you farm and then you'll do a bit of myth busting and a bit of Q&A question, question and answer that's brilliant uh, yeah so it's really interactive and it's targeting different people and you know children are so influenced and that's really where we need to be starting so yeah yeah no that's 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 really great i mean if i if i had had the opportunity to probably hear from a a farmer when i was at school you know i mean i i chose to kind of surround myself with with the countryside and rural industries and you know horses through my own choosing but I was never, you know, we were never introduced to a farmer. We were never even spoken about, you no. know. And we're, we're so farm. perceived. We're, 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 like, the general public just think of us, like, farmers are just known for moaning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and we're not all like that. I mean, some are, don't get me wrong, but we're not all like that. And, yeah. you know, I think unless you're willing, as a farmer, unless you're willing to go and do something about it, you've got absolutely no grounds to be moaning. Yeah. Like, there is so much we can do. So, you know, don't moan if you're not already doing something or trying or, yeah, trying to make a difference. That really is my bugbear. And, and I, I guess, you know, you're, we're, you know, it's such a fantastic thing that you are so proactive about promoting British agriculture and, and promoting the need for education that yeah. that you I mean we're we're around about the same age I think <laughs> I think yeah um, we are I'm a, but, I am a little bit older than you <laughs> but there's so many and, and kind of probably still the majority of farmers and you'll probably know more about this than me are of an elder generation and yeah that elder generation are so without kind of putting my foot in it they're known for being so <laughs> stubborn and set in their way and and so yeah. it's, it's kind of your generation or our generation of farmers that have embraced technology they are keen to educate to promote and to inspire other people that we, we're almost playing catch up really with with the generational gap i think yeah we, a little bit yeah i i do yeah i agree with what you're saying and we've embraced technology but i guess i guess in kind of 40 years time there'll be i'll be the generation that's known for being behind i think i don't know I, <laughs> you'll be really yeah. uncool <laughs> yeah i will be and i'm not and it's and i don't think you can yeah i think I am definitely stuck in my ways a lot of the time too. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is. It is. There is definitely a generational trend with it, and agriculture is an aging profession. I can't. I think it might have been about four years ago. I think the average age of a farmer was fifty-four. So. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, yeah, it's quite. You know, it's quite a, a way into like that's ten years of retirement age. Well, 
mm. uh, 11 years but um, but then equally I guess you know we, you, you can't throw the blame because those farmers and that generation have got our generation to where we are today to allow us to do what we're able to do today so yeah it's tricky isn't it really yeah it is it is and yeah they're what they're doing was 20 years ago they were the new techniques and some of them are really good some are really good at adapting like here my dad and tom but they have their ways of doing some things but they'll listen to new ideas and and that's great especially kind of being the young one back on the farm now and (laughs) you know sometimes i need to be told no actually you might have read about that but it doesn't quite work like that or you might have tried that somewhere else but it's not quite going to be the same here and you know i need telling too so yeah no of course <laughs> need reining in a bit i think <laughs> they, do, um, they do quite a good job <laughs> so obviously we both love new zealand there's no yeah you know we love it do you have any plans to go back Oh gosh, at some point, not in the near future, funnily enough, but <laughs> at some point I will do. Yeah. I, I still haven't had a working holiday visa out there yet, so I've got that opportunity. I, well, um, you haven't done one? No, because the first time, so I've been out three times, but <gasps> the first two times were when I was working in Australia and I kind of just hopped across. Yeah. Um, so I was working for class in Australia and they hopped me over to New Zealand for three weeks the first time but they kind of sorted my visa that way it wasn't a working holiday visa so that was quite nice for me um the second time was when i met you and james Mm -hmm. and that was just a holiday bit of a jolly for five weeks (laughs) and then yeah this time again was just as a tourist so i haven't had the working visa over there yet which is quite exciting means i've still got time yeah that's cool yeah but then at the same time i think i haven't done the us or yeah any of that they are canada so i think maybe they're next but I think, like, i'd love to go to canada and i'd love to go to the us but like if you're spending five weeks at a time in one place that's that's a hell of a lot of time gone you know in, yeah. in two places yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it is <laughs> and, i mean i already know that i love new zealand so why don't i do yeah. it like <laughs> exactly I, exactly um and I guess I got kind of one more question, bringing it back to kind of to now, is that, and we, we did sort of touch upon it in, in your neighboring farm shops and, and things like that, but for the people who are who are listening and, you know, have, have kind of maybe discovered this through social media, how, how can we help, how can we as consumers, how can we as kind of, just members of the general public help support British farmers not necessarily in just just going out and buying fresh produce but are there more ways that we can we can help support people like you within this you know during this pandemic yeah so um I mean yeah the the fresh produce is a massive one and supporting farm shops but another one that people probably aren't thinking about too much is we're still working and you know people are trying to get outside when they can obviously they've been banned now from going out apart from one form of exercise per day and if that's kind of taking your dog on a walk steer clear of us steer clear of the livestock we're still trying to do our job um 
dogs on leads, which is a massive one all of the time. Keep your dogs on leads. Because even if you think you're in an arable field and there's no livestock around, if your dog's running off on off the lead and over, everywhere, he's trampling all over the crops. So that's one that people don't really think about. Um, but yeah, at the moment, just kind of keep your distance. And um, we've still got to get around and open all our gates and get everywhere with this pandemic going on and not getting sick because if we get sick then who else is going to tend to the livestock so that's a big one um it is really nice to see people out in the countryside though and i we're really lucky where we are we have such a good relationship with the village that and they're all such responsible dog walkers so that's that's amazing and we are really really lucky um don't get mad at us when we hold you up and on our tractors because <laughs> me, we really don't enjoy it <laughs> so if we pull over just just pop your hand up and say thank you and you know it really i personally it goes so far i it just makes me smile when someone says thank you and i'll wave back and yeah and get your kids to wave at tractors i always wave back <laughs> yeah, or i beat the horn or, <laughs> we yeah. i always that's one thing like with with being a horse owner and I, I no one ever taught me it but I feel like I've just I've adopted it and if I'm riding and a lot of the time you'll see people passing you in cars or on a walk and they've got a little girl or a little boy with them and they're so excited to see this person on a horse yeah. waving and wave, we, I love to wave back yeah I wave back I'm like hi I and, beat the horn and everything even yeah. though technically that's kind of not legal but I do <laughs> and you like I love seeing the excitement on their faces and yeah they I'm must, they must everywhere make their day yeah, it, I, I hope so, because it makes mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, that's that's about it really. Just, you know, keep supporting your smaller farm shops and yeah, stop panic buying toilet roll. It's not going to run out. No, well, <laughs> yeah, definitely. roast beef instead. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you going to do once this is over? Is it going to affect harvest for you? do you think hopefully not because we don't we don't employ any outside labor so it shouldn't do for us um i don't know what grain prices are going to do that's a law into itself okay. no idea what's going to happen there um what am i going to do once it's over i am going to probably meet all my friends most of which are young farmers so yeah, you can imagine that's going to be messy <laughs> yeah and we're probably going to meet at the local pub hopefully on a really gloriously sunny day in the pub beer garden and it's just going to be amazing that's what I'll do oh yep. good and we'd planned to obviously we had planned we'd talked about recording this podcast and I was going to come up to you and we were going to get some lambs in the background and yeah <laughs> kind of countryside sounds so but it's it's one of those things you know you can't you can't control it and and something right. I'm really sure. trying to adopt with this situation is don't stress over the things that you cannot control because no, you have a you have a circle of influence and on the inside is everything you can control and on the outside is things like the weather and coronavirus and everything that you can't control so you've just got to do everything on the inside of the circle to the best of your ability that's amazing <laughs> yeah and i think you are <laughs> <laughs> no thank you so much before we before we go and get on with our days do you want to tell people where they can follow you if they want to where they can kind of keep up to date with 
what's going on on the farm, the really great educational pieces that you share, things like that? Um, yeah, so I'm on Instagram and it's at GlobetrottingFarmGirl and then Facebook the same and Twitter is at GC Farm Girl. but I mean like I said before I'm just a bit of a lurker on Twitter so <laughs> yeah that's it really amazing honestly Charlie thank you so so much <laughs> you're welcome thank you so much for having me it's been so exciting <laughs> <laughs>